Well, let's open up our Bibles today to Revelation chapter 19. As we have a couple more studies before we complete our series on Theology 101, the names of God, attributes of God, and then, Lord willing, eventually we're going to get into uh, the Gospel of Luke. And so I'm really looking forward to that. But today we study the omnipotence and the sovereignty of God. And look what we read here in verse 6 of Revelation 19. It says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thunderings. Think about that. Saying, Alleluia. Why? For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. There was some pretty awesome praise going on in heaven. Why? For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. You know, on one day we're going to be there, and I have a feeling that our voices are going to get a lot better when we're in heaven, and one day we're going to be there in heaven, and I have a feeling we are going to be part of this chorus. We're going to be saying, Alleluia, why? For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. But we don't have to wait until we're there, man. I want to encourage you today to praise the Lord with an understanding that the Lord God omnipotent reigns. He's on the throne and he has all power. And it's such an awesome truth when you really let this sink into your heart. You know, I read a story about a young boy who was waiting after church service for his family. And the pastor saw him standing around, and so he struck up a conversation with him. And since the boy had just come from Sunday school, the pastor decided to ask him some questions about the class and what they were learning. And so he said to the young man, tell me something that God can do. If you can tell me something that God can do, I'll give you this big, shiny apple. And so the little boy thought about it, and he said, you know what? I tell you what, man, if you can tell me something God can't do, I'll give you a box of candy apples, you know. And and I guess what the little boy had been studying in his class was that God is omnipotent, that God is all-powerful, that there's nothing too hard for him. And, you know, with childlike faith, it really came out in his walk and in his life. And I, and I think that we need to really recultivate that, 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 that attitude of faith in our hearts as well, you guys. I, I think a lot of times what ends up happening for us as Christians is we forget, man, that God is able. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we could even begin to think or imagine. And what ends up happening, like the Lord, you know, sometimes he'd be ministering and says sometimes he could do no mighty works there. Why? Because they didn't believe anymore. Unbelief. Man, I want to encourage you to believe in the omnipotence of God, the power of God. You see, because the little boy with simple, solid faith believed wholeheartedly and unreservedly in the omnipotence of God, that God is all-powerful and he's able to do all things. We see here in the book of Revelation that's reason to rejoice. And for us today, I think the same is true. You know, when we look at the omnipotence of God, and we're going to see many scriptures that prove its omnipotence, 
You know, it's not necessarily something that God reveals for reasons of boasting, although it does bring us to worship, but it's really something that God reveals for reasons of comforting. That when we combine the omnipotence of God and the sovereignty of God, that it really brings us to that place of totally, absolutely, unreservedly trusting God. You know, when you look at the word omnipotence, it's interesting that's found here in the book of Revelation, chapter 19. And the context is when God comes and executes justice and judgment. It's after the seven-year tribulation period is over. It's after Babylon is destroyed and, and all the godly rejoice. And we read here, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. The Greek word is the, re- the word pantokrator. And it's comprised of two Greek words which simply mean all power, all force, and all strength. And, you know, I I would venture to say that we don't really think about this too much. You want to know why? Because it blows your mind. How strong is God? You ever think about that? How strong is God? You know, I remember when I was uh, growing up, I wasn't a Christian, obviously, growing up. But, you know, one of the things that we would always ask the guys is, hey, man, how much can you bench? You know, and I and I thought I was pretty bad because I could bench 225 pretty easily, you know, a couple of plates on each side and everything. But the bottom line is, you know, I thought I was mighty Manny and really I was mighty mouse. That's who I was, man, because I got to know some of these big buff guys and man, they could really lift. And so. I even read about one man out there. He's a Ukrainian-American powerlifter, Ryan Canelli, who actually benches 1,075 pounds. And I thought, man, this guy is ripped. He must be big and buff and, you know, all these things. You look at some of the guys and even the nations combined. And, you know, there, there's some mighty men out there, but there's no almighty men, huh? There's some pretty potent guys out there, but there's no omnipotent guys out there. The only one that has all strength and all power is God. And can I share something with you? He's on your side. He's on your side. You know, when you come to the Lord, and I know a lot of us here, you know, we have a heart to serve the Lord, and we're not perfect, but we're trying to be proper. Uh, so if you're not, man, you've got to get right today. But, you know, as we're striving to enter through that narrow gate, as we're, you know, just asking God, Lord, help me to please you and to walk with you. It's so cool to know that that he's on your side, the one that spoke the universe into existence by the power of his word. He said, let there be light. And there were a billion, billion galaxies. That one is on your side. You see, he's omnipotent. And when you look at that, you see the Almighty God is incredible, absolutely worthy of all our worship. I I love Chris Tomlin. A lot of his songs have to do with the fact that God created everything, and it just blows you away. Last night, we were outside looking up at the stars, and we saw this one bright light in in the sky. And so I text messaged my friend Sean. I said, Sean, what light is that? What star is that? You know, and Sean, he's real smart. He said, that's Jupiter. And Jupiter is a thousand times bigger than the Earth. And then he went into this big old science lesson via via text message, and it was kind of funny. And I was just like, man, you know, no wonder this guy loves the Lord so much. Because he looks at the stars, and, and he just knows that God is the one who spoke them into existence. The Bible says that he put them all there. He maintains them, and he knows each and every single one by name. 
We're going to see later that as God is sovereign, he can't be sovereign unless he's omnipotent. But because he's omnipotent, all-powerful, he's able to know every single star by name, and he's, every, he's able to know every single person by name, and every single you know, part of the person by name, and all the things that you go through in life. It's so awesome when you really think about it. You know? And you read the Bible, and we can't you know, escape this. I, I even remember earlier when we studied the names of God, one of the names we studied was Al Shaddai, which means God Almighty, speaking of God's power. Um, the Greek word is often translated Almighty in the Bible. We see 57 times, always referring to God, Almighty God, all-powerful God, able to help us in all our trials. As a matter of fact, if you go back to Genesis 17. I know this is a verse we keep coming back to, but you know what? I just can't help it because it's so beautiful. And, you know, we read here in Genesis 17, the first time we find the, 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 the title Almighty, here in verse 1, it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. Now, we know God later changed his name from Abram to Abraham. And as most of you know, Abraham was used by God in, a, in an almighty way. I'll say it that way. He's known as the great patriarch, the father of the Jews. Some even call him the father of the faith. For through him, the Bible says that all the nations of the world would be blessed. Think about this. In reference to the fact that through him, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, would come. We know that God used Abraham in such a great way. But the thing that I like about this verse right here was not so much that he was used by God. I think it's greater when you study the life of Abraham that he was called the friend of God. And you read that in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 7, Isaiah 20, verse 8, James chapter 2, verse 23. And when I look at this right here, it's interesting to me that God would reveal himself to Abraham as almighty God in conjunction with the command to walk before him and to be blameless. Because you don't want to you know, study the omnipotence of God or the fact that God is the almighty without connecting the dots. You know, again, like I shared earlier, it's something that we worship him for. But remember, worship is much more than singing songs. Worship is our walk. And as you become a friend of God and he tells you secrets and you get into the word and you really walk before him in an, an attitude of, of holiness and endeavoring to be blameless, um, it's so cool what the Lord does because then he takes his great power and he uses your life. He uses your life. And it's all found in what? A work? No, a walk. It's found in a walk, you guys. And I'm learning that more and more in my life as a Christian, you know, because, you know, we can get so caught up in the ministry and we can just, you know, do, do, do. And, you know, there's places for that, but it must be rooted in, in what he's done and, and in a true, vital, vibrant, 
relationship with God in which, you know, what I found in my life is that if I, if I focus on the Lord and I walk with Him and I'm constantly listening to the Lord and constantly trying to please Him and when someone pushes a button trying to, you know, make me stumble, that I stay on track and I'm slow to speak and I'm just walking in His presence, just aware of it all the time, He'll take care of the ministry. He'll take care of the family. What he'll do is he'll give me his power to walk that way. And then what he'll do is he'll take his power and he'll work through us to bring his name glory and honor. Because when I share with you about the omnipotence of God, what I want you to know is that you are, 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 are eligible to be vessels of that omnipotence. And that's what God wants us to come away with, you know? He wants us to know who He is, to believe and receive that God is almighty, all-powerful. He is able. If you go over to Genesis 18, notice what it says in verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No, huh? It's a rhetorical question. No, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. Jeremiah 32:27. Behold, I'm the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? God wants you to answer the question. What do you say? You say, no. Lord, I believe you're able. I believe you're able to, to change me. Lord, I believe you're able to change her, to change things. And if you don't change things or her circumstances, I believe you're able to carry me through this in a way that would bring you glory and honor. Lord, I believe you're able to, you know, if you want to, I don't know how it's going to work, but... You know what? I don't give up until everybody's saved. I would love for you to save the whole city. You're able. You can do something. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to work, but I know that, that he's able. I, I, my answer is no, Lord. Nothing's too hard for you. You can do a work. I've seen it happen time and time again. Look what it says in Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heaven and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. You know, a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll look at our universe and they'll, this is what they'll do. Their reasoning is like this. Well, the universe is so big, there's, therefore there's got to be aliens out there. <laughs> and there's, you know, I'm sure it's all here. You know, I mean, you know, God, I mean, I'm sure... And, and what the Lord says is that I, I've made this universe so huge and so wonderful and so amazing. The reason I did that is not because, you know, there's life forms out there. It's because I want you to know just a little, a little itty bitty piece of how powerful I am. And when Einstein looked through the, you know, that Hubble telescope there, man, he said, wow. He saw things zooming and he said there was a beginning. And we know there was a beginner. And we know it was the Big Bang. But it was the Big Bang that was given by the word of the Lord, right? And if God is able to do that, maintain the universe and call every star by name, question, is he able to bless your life? Whatever you do, don't let the devil deceive you into thinking that things are out of control now. That some man is on the throne. There ain't no man on the throne. God's on the throne. And he's sovereign and he's able to intervene. And he wants us to know who he is. 
Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You guys, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly. But he wants us to lay hold of that power by faith. You know, sometimes we have questions, and there's a lot of questions. You know, there's questions about our personal faith and the ministry that we're involved in. And we need to remember this constantly needs to be our motto that he is able. You know, never forget that. He is able. You know, we wonder about the ministry, wonder about our walk. Second Timothy 1.12 says, For this reason I also suffer these things, nevertheless... I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. You know, one of the things that kept Paul going in the ministry, because a lot of times what happens in the ministry is God will test you. God will test you to see where your commitment's at. God will test you to see you know, whether or not you're really serving him. I mean, you can get involved in ministry and maybe you don't see things happening the way that you would like them to happen. And you're wondering, maybe you're wondering, is this even you know, going to last? Is it going to make a difference? Well, if your heart is right and you're serving the Lord, Paul the Apostle said, man, he is able to keep that which I've committed to him. In other words... That all those things that you're doing as unto the Lord, they will not return void. That God will plant that seed in their heart. Man, I don't know how it's going to work one day in heaven, but I have a feeling that one day we're in heaven, when everything gets revealed, you are going to trip out on what a difference your life made. Because God is able. See, he's able to keep. And what happens is ministry it, it lasts, and our walk, it, it lasts. I mean, sometimes we wonder, and we wander in times of temptation. And when you're there in that time of temptation, remember Hebrews 2.18, for it says, in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. You know, we might have doubt about our ultimate destiny one day, and I don't know how it's going to be. Hopefully, when you die and you're there on your deathbed, that your faith grows stronger, but even if you do dabble with times of doubt, remember what it says in Philippians 3.21, that God will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able. There it is again. He is able even to subdue all things to himself. You know, you may look at your body right now, and you're thinking, man, what can God do with this thing, you know? And, and God is saying, listen, I am able. One day you will receive a body that is fit for heaven. He's able. It's awesome when you think about it. You know, he is able. And remember this, too. And he's not only able to bless us, he's able to spank us. You know, God is omnipotent. And God, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't mess around. A lot of times what ends up happening is we go through life and we get prideful. And the Bible says in Daniel 4.37 that he's able to put you down. He is able. Don't forget that. He is able. He's able to make all creation. He's able to make new creation. God is strong. God is sovereign. And it's so cool when you look at that. Of course, we know that in his 
omnipotence. There are a couple of things that God can't do. He can't lie. He can't sin. He can't do anything that would violate his other attributes. He stays consistent with his nature. Some people say, well, can God make a rock that's too heavy for him to lift? You know, that's ridiculous. I'm sorry. He can do nothing that would violate his nature. And what we see as we read the Bible is that all the attributes, it's a beautiful thing, the way that they all are intertwined and work together. First, you read the Bible and you see, man, God is strong. God is sovereign. God is omnipotent. But then the next thing we see is that the Lord reigns. And for that, let's go over to Psalm 103. And here's where it, it really, I, I think it makes it so, so beautiful, so powerful, so personal for us in life. Look what it says in Psalm 103, verse 19. It says, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Never forget that. Never forget that. Next time you think that Obama's on the throne or next time you think that, you know, whoever it is that you're resentful of, I can't believe they would do that. My boss, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. And, and you know, you, you just have to remember that the Lord has his throne is established in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. As a matter of fact, First Timothy 6.15, the NIV says he's the only ruler. Did you know that? The only ruler. And it's a real beautiful thing because we know his consistent love. You read Psalm 93, verse 1. Psalm 97, verse 1. Psalm 99, verse 1. Psalm 96, verse 10. You know what they all say? The Lord reigns. It doesn't say the Lord will reign. It says the Lord reigns. Now we know, of course, that one day he will set up his kingdom literally, physically in Jerusalem for the millennial kingdom, the millennial reign. But that doesn't mean for one split second that God has vacated his throne. The Lord still reigns. We read in Daniel chapter 4, verse 17 and 25 and 32, that the Most High rules. Now when you read Daniel, you find that he rules over the whole world. From Almani to El Salvador, from Paris to Pacoima, the Lord rules. And it's really a comforting thought for me, it really is. It speaks of the biblical teaching that God is king, supreme ruler, lawgiver over the entire universe. It's God's absolute right to govern all things as he chooses without any limitations imposed by circumstances or human choices. You know, you might look at your life and, and you know, we're going to talk about this more when we get into Isaiah 55, but, you know, you know, you look at your life, and I, you know, look at my life. Why weren't things different when I was growing up, Lord? You know, why didn't, why, why was I raised in a, a dysfunctional family, Lord? Why wasn't I even raised in a family, Lord? You know, I wish things could have been different for me. And, you know, you, you want it all packaged nice and neat. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to give that to your kids. But look where you're at. You're here in church, man. You're here in this place. Many of you here, most of you know the Lord. Some of you are being called to commit your life to Jesus Christ today. And God will take all those things that you've gone through in his life and he's going to weave it together in a fabulous, wonderful way 
that one day when we get into heaven, I have a feeling that that's going to be one of the main reasons we worship him. Just how he is able to do that. You see, God is right. He has the right to govern. Some people cringe at the absolute sovereignty of God. I find it comforting. You know, some people don't like the sovereignty of God. The Jews will resist it. Ah, he's not sovereign either that or he's not powerful because they've gone through so much in their life. And there's a lot of people out there that they'll resist the sovereignty of God because there is a lot of evil going on in this planet. But remember this, and I know I've mentioned this to you before, but it must be etched deep within our heart. Whenever you look and you see something going on, you know, remember this, man. The question is not why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? The real question is why does God allow good things to happen to bad people? Because we're all wicked, we're all bad, and even... Even children are born in sin. I know you don't like that, but remember how they would keep you up at night? Man, that's evidence, man. <laughs> and I know we, we, we just, what ends up happening is because we've bought into this worldly psychology that is just so poisonous, we forget how holy God is. And we come at it from a distorted perspective. You know, we've chosen our way. We've resisted God. And then what do we do? A lot of times we blame God, but God is so amazing. He's able to take everything. And one day, not just the big plan, you guys. One day, not just the big plan, but we're going to see that every part and process of that plan was all part of his sovereign will. It's an amazing thing. God doesn't author those agents of evil, but he allows it. It gets filtered through the Father's hand. And what ends up happening is he turns it around and he uses it for good. You know, there's no coincidences in life. There's no oops in God's vocabulary. Everything works together for good. And you know what? I, I pray that that would just permeate everything about your day, everything about your life. You know, whether it be someone you run into, a jack-in-the-box. And I've told you guys this before, but... You know, if I could, and I don't want to be overly dogmatic about it, but let's just say you see somebody that you know, there they are in Target. You think that's a coincidence? I don't think so. You need to go up to them and say, hey, I don't know why we're here, but we're supposed to be together talking for some reason, man. What's going on in your life? How are you doing with the Lord? I mean, you know, there's no Jews, they didn't have the word coincidence in their vocabulary. You know, I told you guys the other day, I got a little fender bender. And this guy, you know, a crazy driver, he just, it was all his fault, honest man. And, uh, but, you know, and some people going through something like that, what do you do? You get upset, you get upset about it, you get bummed about it, whatever, it's an inconvenience. You know what? We got to see it as all part of his perfect plan, right? And so, yeah, it's cool. You know what? Thank God we're alive, you know, here, let's talk. He ends up bringing me the part on Friday, and he's a Spanish-speaking guy. And because I believe so wholeheartedly that nothing is coincidence, I believe that God has his hand on every iota, every detail of every day. I believe that. That it gives me the faith and the confidence to say, hey, come here. I was bossing him around. I'm like, hey, we're out in the parking lot. I'll come here. I need to show you where the church is at. <laughs> and I just told him straight face. I said, the reason God let you hit me is because God loves you. 
And God is calling you to his son right now. And it was so cool because he came at the perfect time. He's a Spanish-speaking guy, and I introduced him to Peter. And I said, listen, Friday night's here, 7 o'clock. You know, be there. And that's the way life is. It, it really is. I really believe in the impeccable sovereignty of God. I was telling my son about this on the way over here. And he's like, what do you mean, Dad? You mean if... Uh, car runs over aluminum can that's all part of god's plan you know and and i was telling him well listen it primarily deals with god's people it has to do with all that have life but listen aaron what if one day some little kid sees that aluminum can on the street and he goes and he picks it up and he says i'm going to recycle and he goes and he recycles and he learns what a work ethic i mean i i don't know i know that god is amazing and that in my life how about in your life haven't you seen it the way that, you know, the other day I sent out a text message. It was just a bulk text message to a whole bunch of brothers that the Lord laid on my heart. And I got one back from the chief of police. And he said, you know what? I don't, who are you? That's the first thing he said. Who are you? <laughs> and then the second thing he told me, he says, you do not know the impeccable timing of that text message. And what happened was there's this big thing going on. Rio Hondo College, his son's involved, is under investigation. Just It was just tearing him up at the time. And right there, man, you get that text message. And you know what? It's not me, obviously, right? Because I didn't get that from anybody else, right? <laughs> the Lord says it's me. And I really believe that God is completely and totally on the throne. And what that does is it brings peace to my life. It really does. You know, there's nothing that flies by the filter of the Father. We see that in the life of Job. If you read Job, you know, Satan had to ask for permission to do anything. God says, okay, you can go this far, but not farther. God says, okay, you can do this, but not that. Everything goes through the filter of the Father, and every detail is part of his destiny. You know, it's all part of his plan because of his position and because of his power. I find it so comforting to know his strength and to know his seat that he's still on the throne. And he really does reign. I mean, think about it. And this is not just for pastors. This is for all of you. If God is for you, then who can be against you? You know, and I don't have to worry, well, what if they do this? And what if that individual does that? I don't even go there. That's a waste of time. I just try to keep my heart right before the Lord and then let him take care of everything. And he does an awesome job. You see, God is faithful. Remember when Joseph got sold into slavery? You know, Joseph's life, if you begin reading there, and I think it's Genesis, begins in chapter 37, and all the way to the rest of the book, man, chapter 50, it's all about the providence of God. It's all about how, you know, man has an element of freedom, and man has a element of responsibility but God can even work in that so that his will will never be thwarted and so even though his enemies brothers came against him they were jealous his dad made a big mistake in showing favoritism to him and his brothers said hey we'll sell him we'll kill him they ended up selling him he goes and he's a slave for 13 years every day was part of God's plan preparing him and moving him to the place where he would one day save the Jews, so to speak. And, and what happened? Joseph, the whole time, he just kept his eyes on the Lord. You know, if you take your eyes off the Lord, you can fall into God's permissive will, so that's why I encourage you to be careful with that. But when you keep your eyes on the Lord, you're going to end up 
where you belong, no matter what anyone may do to you. But you got to live your life for the Lord. You know, some of you here may be messing around. Some of you here today, you're not really living for the Lord. And you know, I, I say it every week, and sometimes I think that it doesn't get through. You got to go home and love your wife. Jesus was nailed to a cross for his bride. Why are you giving her such a hard time? Why don't you humble yourself? Why don't you die for your wife and your kids? Some of you wives here, you're not really letting your husband lead you. He's the head, I'm the neck. That's the way a lot of wives are, right? I'm sorry, that's wicked. It's wicked. You got to let him lead your family. You got to let him lead your family. You got to support him. You got to submit to him. Otherwise, you may end up somewhere where you don't belong. Parents, children, workers, single people. When are we going to understand that this is about living and walking in purity and holiness? You know, God will take it and God will use your life. And in his sovereignty, it doesn't matter who can come against you, the whole world, the devil and all his demons, your, God's plan for your life can't be stopped unless you decide to fall into his permissive will. But even in that, it's so cool because God has second chances. I believe in God's sovereignty to a T. I believe every detail is part of the destiny, that every fiber is part of my friendship with him, and that even every pain is part of the purpose. And when you know that, it strengthens you. You know, there's a book I read probably about 10 years ago. It's called Trusting God. And the first part of the book, he establishes God's love. And that God loves us. I mean, it's just an amazing truth. And then the second part of the book, he establishes God's sovereignty. How God loves us and how God is absolutely sovereign. And when you really combine those truths, it brings you to a point of totally trusting God. And that's what he wants, you guys. It was kind of funny. After the service, I talked to a, a lady who came here for the first time. Her husband's been coming, and so she ended up coming today. And it was kind of funny. She said, you know what? I'm reading that book right now. And God was speaking to her heart. Is that a coincidence? No. No. Anybody else reading that book? Just say, no, I'm just joking. You should read it. It's a good book. It's totally biblical. And it's something that God works in our life. You know, some say God is not involved. Oh, man, he is. Some say God is not able to intervene. Man, I want to tell you time and time again that he is. Because the Bible says, and God wants us to know about himself, that we have an all-powerful God with an absolutely awesome and providential plan, and he wants us to never forget it. And let it comfort your hearts, you guys. God is an awesome God. He's an almighty God. And even in all the struggles we have in life, we see that as he sits on the throne and we stay focused on him, it's a beautiful, wonderful, amazing life that we have. You know, I bet you if you could write your life, you'd probably write things different. How many of you would write a few things different? I don't know about that one, Lord. And, you know, I think I kind of like X that one. It's called the editing room, right? <laughs> Let's close over in Isaiah 55, if you would. And I am so 
grateful for this truth. Because it says here in Isaiah 55, in verse 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Yeah, I know. I know we would do it different. I'd have my way, and it would look just like this. But God not only wants us to know that His ways are different, God wants us to know that His ways are better. As a matter of fact, His ways are so much better than our ways that as the heavens are higher than the earth, so greater, so much greater are His ways than your ways. And so I am so grateful, Lord, that you're on the throne. Aren't you? Aren't you grateful for that? You know, there's a lot of questions we have. As a matter of fact, a uh, great song by Stephen Curtis Chapman. It's called Higher Ways. Old song, but it goes like this. It says, if I could only fly, I'd go up and look down from the sky so I could see the bigger picture. And Lord, if I could sit with you for an hour or two, I'm sure I'd ask too many questions because there's so much going on down here that I must confess I just don't understand. I don't understand. But I have prayed and at your feet my whole life has been laid so I won't worry. I won't be afraid. Because my soul is resting on your higher ways. You see, God is omnipotent, all-powerful, able to intervene, able to rule and control over every fiber of our life. And he wants us to know that. Not only so that we can worship him in song but that we could worship Him in our walk and to live our life for His glory. And so, Lord, we thank You for who You are, Lord God. It's a, it's, I can't even begin to grasp Your sovereignty, Lord. Your omnipotence. But I know it's true. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today that You would continue to work in their life and encourage them Father, to trust you, to totally trust you. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today who maybe isn't a Christian, Father, that right now we would know, Lord, that they would know you love them. You brought them here to save them. And that right now, Lord, we would all surrender to you. Knowing that we're sinners in need of a Savior, and that Jesus Christ died on that cross for us. And Lord, I thank you so much for your Holy Spirit who's able to bring life, to seal us. And I pray that today, Lord, you would bring that life to every heart. Lord, bless our time of communion. I pray that we would search our hearts. Help us, Lord. It's difficult at times. But bring our mind and our heart on you. 
And even show us things, Lord, that need to be yielded, that need to die within our own life. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray you bless this time of communion in Jesus' name. Amen. The ushers are-